Welcome into another edition of the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. We're back from the bye week. We've got a couple of big games coming up. The big one next, Baltimore up in Baltimore at M&T Bank Stadium. The Texans take on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. The talk all week, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson. What is this game going to look like? It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I can't believe it's not nationally televised or primetime at the very least, but we feel very fortunate that we will be at the game. And uh, for all of you in Houston that will be watching the game, I think it will be great. And, hey, for the rest of you, the coverage of Xfinity X-Buy can't be beat. You can stream your team all season long on every in-home device, no matter where you watch. This is beyond Wi-Fi. This is X-Fi Xfinity, proud partner of the Houston Texans, proud partner of the Deep Slant podcast. And we've got Jaleel Adai on the podcast this week. Safety, in his first year with the Houston Texans, he was with the Chargers before. And uh, why did we want to interview him this week? Well, let me just tell you that he has faced Lamar Jackson not once but twice, defeated him in the playoffs last year. So he knows a thing or two about the Ravens quarterback that everyone is talking about. Also, we chat with Jeff Zreback. We talk to him all the time. He used to work for the Baltimore Sun. Now he's with the Athletic up in Baltimore. Does a great job covering the team up there. We'll talk to him about the Ravens and how different they look with Lamar Jackson. That offense has morphed into something quite amazing in one offseason with Lamar Jackson now that they know he's under center. So we'll talk to him about what Greg Roman has done and some of the pieces they've added on defense and why that Ravens team looks so, so good right now. But first, let's get into our player of the week. It's Jaleel Adai, the safety that uh, you saw him in London, got his first interception as a Houston Texan towards the end of the game. He's been doing some nice things in the backfield, especially with all the injuries that the Texans have had. Now, coming off the bye, everyone looks to be healthy, but a lot of changes in the backfield. But we talked to Jaleel about his first year as a Texan and more. Take a listen on the Deep Slam podcast presented by Xfinity. Jaleel, welcome into the studio. Nice to have you. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Appreciate you having me. I enjoy having you. I've heard a lot of nicknames for you. You get called, I call you Jaleel. Mm-hmm. You've been called Leal. Mm-hmm. I also heard the other day someone call you Hitman, yeah. which is your social media handle. Mm-hmm. How'd you get that nickname? It's actually funny. I actually got it from the student section um, at my college. I think after my sophomore year, um, there was actually a guy in my class by the name of Anthony Lazaro. I remember his name, and he actually made a hitman sign and had the students actually, actually like getting it going and stuff. So ever since then, I kind of ran with it and kind of fit my style of play. So I just kept trucking with. He it. called you hitman. Just uh, it was who was it? Was Anthony? One of he uh, was actually in one of my college classes. He called me hitman. He was like, you know what? I'm gonna make a, <laughs> a sign and bring it in the student section. And it just kind of just it was a trickle effect. It just kind of carried over. I like it. I like Hitman a lot. Now you've got it on all your social media platforms. So. Everywhere. And your and your teammates are calling you that too. What have you thought about your first season here with the Texans? It seems mm-hmm. like you just fit in so nicely in that backfield mm-hmm. in the secondary. You're making plays out there. Mm-hmm. What sort? What was the transition like coming from the Chargers to here for you? It was a smooth transition, honestly. You know, the coaches helped me get acclimated with the playbook early. Um, some of the vets that have been around. And it's just the commodity that this team has is special. Um, you see a lot of guys hang outside the locker room, and that makes things good. Because when you have a relationship with guys outside the locker room, um, it's that much easier to communicate. You know who you're communicating with, and that's the key. I think just the, the, the friendship that we have and the bond that we have is, is special here. Is that unusual from locker room to locker room to, uh, to have that sort of a chemistry with your teammates? I'm sure it's different everywhere you go, right. but how does it compare to where you've played in the past? Um, where I played in the past, well, I was with the Chargers for six years, and I've, obviously I was there for so long, so that was another brotherhood that I had. But I've heard, you know, I've heard around that it's not like that everywhere. Mm. You know, so coming in here, I came in with just an open heart, you know, just ready to meet people and see, you know, different personalities and find out where guys are from and whatnot, and I just clicked. 
You had some familiarity with the coaching staff, too, because mm-hmm. John Pagano was the defensive coordinator for the Chargers. Yeah. And then Danton Lynn was also with the Chargers, or his, when his dad and was Bobby the head King. coach. And Bobby King. Yeah. So how much did it help having some coaches right. that were familiar with you? You kind of knew what their style was. Right. Did that sort of lend you to coming here more so than anywhere else? Honestly, it did. You know, just seeing yeah. familiar faces here and knowing their coaching style and what they bring to the table. And obviously, if they're on the staff, then it's they're, they're alike others you know so I knew coming in and playing for those guys or being around them um, the coaches that were working with them would be similar and make it an easy transition for me. You do a lot of things as a safety I think your versatility is something that we sort of heard about a lot in the offseason you cover mm-hmm. running backs you cover tight ends you play safety mm-hmm. what do you like about playing in this particular defense? That the same exact thing they allow me to do a lot just like you said I cover running backs I cover tight ends I blitz and I play the high safety so just being able to show my versatility and you know when you're out there on the field and you get to do different things like that the defense never has to beat on exactly what you're doing or what the scheme we're running so I think bringing that to the table has helped a lot. In London you got your interception mm-hmm. towards the end of the game against Gardner Minshew. How cool was yeah. it to play in London get the pick right. and then head into the bye with uh, such a big play like that? Oh, that, was a, that was such a blessing you know that was my second time in London my first pick of the season and then being able to do yeah, it. Yeah, your first as a Texan, right, that's right. Right, first mm-hmm. as a Texan, first and this season to be able to do it in foreign soil was awesome. You know, that's a memory I'll forever be able to keep. My family was there, they got to witness it, and it was electrifying, so it was an awesome feeling. I like to ask players what they do with the ball. Did you get to keep it? Oh, I kept it. You did? I kept okay. it. That's going in a case. Nice. Yeah. Uh, this Sunday, you get to play Lamar Jackson, and you're one of the few players on this team that have seen him before. Mm-hmm. Chargers beat the Ravens last year in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. What do you remember about facing him last year? He was a rookie, obviously, last mm-hmm. year. What do you remember about facing him last year? And from watching him on film this year, right. where has he changed the most? Um, we faced him twice last year, you know, but last year he was just um, as electrifying. But I just feel like this year he just, he feels, he seems a lot more comfortable. Not that he wasn't last year, but this year he just feels more comfortable. He's running, he's passing, he's orchestrating the offense, you know, and I feel like the offense is gaining their juice from him. And, you know, just like rookies, they take the rookie curves and ups and downs last year. But this year he's full head of steam and it's going to be a tough task for us. A lot of the players talk about how difficult it is to prepare for an offense like that. They're probably mm. the most complex to prepare for. Do you think that's the case? You prepared for a lot of offenses in your time. Right. It's like playing the Army, Navy, Georgia Techs, or college. You know, it's, a, it's an offense that you don't see week in and week out. And it's a lot of different. You have to be very sound. You have to be disciplined. Because one, one wrong move or one guy out of this gap or one guy not doing their job, it could be a big play. All right, so we've got in the defense, we've got the lunch pail crew, which mm-hmm. are the interior defensive linemen, and then you got the Rock Boys. Mm-hmm. And I asked one of the players, I want to say it was Brennan Scarlett or one of the linebackers, about the DBs. I'm like, what's mm-hmm. the DBs group? Do you guys have a group name? Do you guys? We he don't. Said, you guys have don't. a lot of handshakes and stuff. We got a lot of handshakes. You got a lot of dances. A lot of handshakes and dances. I think we got to get a nickname soon. I think you do too. Yeah, it's kind of on the second half. We got to get a nickname. You've got a lot of new players now in the secondary, a lot of All new right. corners added. Uh, what do you think about? The chemistry there, it's mm-hmm. obviously something that you guys work on all offseason, but now with the new players, mm-hmm. how does that sort of work every time a new guy joins the um, team? Just get them acclimated as fast as possible. You know, the coaches do a good job of catching guys up on the playbook, and we have to do a good job of communicating with them, catching them up on the playbook, and allowing them to feel like one, you know, feel like us when they come in. You know, it's always difficult when you come in from a new team, um, so you got to make guys as comfortable as possible. and allowed them to enjoy the brotherhood. How about for yourself? You were undrafted, and here mm-hmm. you are playing in the league for a number of years at such mm-hmm. a high level. When you sort of look back at your career, is there anything that you kind of wish you knew early on? Uh, not really. I think I learned from some good veterans, you know, coming in early with the Chargers with Eric Weddle, being around Phillip Rivers, Dwight Freeney, those guys since I've been there, Brandon Flowers. So I think everything happens for a reason, and I've, and I've learned. 
you know, every year, and I'm, I'm continuing to get wiser as I go um, next year onto my eighth year. But I think that being undrafted and coming in the way I did, it makes me play the game the way I play with a chip and always being hungry and never satisfied or complacent. Yeah, you and Tashawn Gibson both coming sort of from that yeah. similar background. What was it like going back to LA and playing the Chargers, your former mm. team? <laughs> a lot of people have to, a lot of players have to wait a number of years before they face their former team. For right. you, you didn't have to wait that long, but was it awkward? Was it strange? Uh, you know, what were your emotions around? There's that game? a lot of emotions, honestly. I was excited, but it was awkward going to the visitor locker room. Then got out there and got to see a lot of the people that I've played with for such a long time and built relationships with. But once that ball snapped, it was it was no more friendships. Yeah. Um, I was I was juiced. I was excited. I might have been a little bit too carried away sometimes, but I mean that's just the way I play. And you know, playing my former team, I was going to bring a little bit extra out of me. Yeah, I saw a little bit of that juice because I think Philip Rivers was mic'd up during the game. And he he singled you out during one of the plays. He said. He's calling out a lot of things. He doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> that's typical Philly. Talks a lot of junk. Well, that's my guy, though. That's my guy. A lot of players really enjoyed facing him. They said no, that he's probably sure. one of the smartest quarterbacks. And he's a big competitor. All right, I got to ask you something. This is kind of off the beaten path, but uh, we do this thing called B Scar TV. And one of the questions mm -hmm. that he asked was, "Name a show that you're embarrassed to admit you watched." And I was shocked when you said The Bachelor. Mm -hmm. Not because it's a bad show, because I watched The Bachelor too, but because. The former Bachelor, Colton Underwood, was one of your really good friends, and that's why right. you watched it. Right. So you watched that entire season, and that's your good former teammate and your yeah. friend. What were your thoughts when you saw him? I'm happy for him. He's doing his thing. He's made a mark for himself. He always told us that he wanted to get into modeling or TV once he got done playing ball, you know, and he was a former linebacker for us, and we always joked with him and said that he would do a good job doing it, and to see him on the big screen doing it and getting so much gigs and off spins from it, man, it's... It's awesome to see. Because first he was like a contestant, mm -hmm. and then he was such a fan favorite, they brought him back as The Bachelor. And I know everyone talks, even if you don't watch the show, you've heard the phrase, the most dramatic season yet. Right. I really thought that was the most dramatic season yet because it he, was. he broke up with everybody mm -hmm. and then went after the girl that broke up with him. And they're, they're happy together. And they're yeah. happy together. So yeah. you're watching that. Were you like, what are you you're thinking? This is typical Colton, or I, no? I didn't <laughs> know. I didn't. Him? I didn't know that. It, I didn't know if it was scripted. I didn't know how it went. You know. So I didn't know if he was just going along with it, or that was just a build up drama. And yeah, I texted him. I gave him some crap every now and then. <laughs> he, he just hit me back laughing. But I'm happy for him. It was awesome to you know see somebody that you know gain that stardom. All right. How about for yourself? Your not really new to Houston anymore. You've been here for a little while. Mm. What have you thought about the city? Have you been around it much? What do you thought about the people and the fans here? Um, it's awesome. It's a football state, obviously. The state of Texas is a football state, and they love their Texans here. Um, it's been it's been awesome. I'm living here and living kind of in the Pearland area out there and having my family with me and my son being raised out here around culture like this and good foods, good eats. <laughs> You're going to need to get your son a little baby cowboy boots and a little cowboy hat. I'm I know. I got to get him swagged up. You Texas style. You got to get him style. some cowboy swag. Yeah. <laughs> That's coming up. The rodeo is coming up. All no. right. Good stuff. Wish you best of luck for the rest of the season. Julie. All right. Thank you. Love catching up with Julia Die. He was on the Fuddruckers show just a few weeks ago. We talked about his parents being from Ghana, how he was a soccer player. His dad really wanted him to play soccer, but he decided to go the football route instead. Actually, we, we could have gone quite a bit longer with Jaleel, we caught up with him after practice earlier this week. So it'll be fun to see him go against the Ravens once again. He's got a little bit of experience um, in just Lamar Jackson's first year as an NFL quarterback. Jaleel's faced him twice, and uh, it will be great to see the Texans' defense take on that Baltimore offense 
on Sunday. Okay, so we also caught up with Jeff Zreback. I've talked to him several times over the past uh, whenever the Texans and the Ravens have played each other, and it seems like it's been a few years since we've been up to M&T Bank Stadium, but this Ravens offense looks completely different from the offense that was up there just a few years ago in 2017. Um, the Texans offense, obviously different as well. Tom Savage was quarterback. Deshaun Watson was out for the year. It was a sad, sad day as the Texans were still kind of in the hunt for the playoffs, um, but uh, they still couldn't put all, pull off a win, and they and they really didn't pull off many towards the end of the season in that stretch. But here we go, Deshaun Watson under center and Lamar Jackson under center. These two teams have really uh, turned things around in just a few few years because uh, offensively this is going to be a fun one to watch. So we caught up with Jeff, talked about this matchup. Here he is on the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. I've talked to you a lot over the years. First time with your new gig used to be with the Baltimore Sun. So good to have you on here as always. Let's talk about the Ravens. Five straight wins for the first time since 2006. It seems like a lot has changed since then, not just the wins. Um, How different is it for you covering a team that traditionally was low scoring, known for their stingy defense to now covering um, the NFL leader in points per game with Lamar Jackson. Yeah. You know, I, I think the biggest thing is sort of the excitement factor. Um, you know, the Ravens have long had an organization that that's known to be, you know, one of the better and most stable ones in the league. They've done an awful lot of winning. Uh, so they're, re- you know, they've, consistently been relevant and competing for playoff berths at the end of the year. Uh, and they should be applauded for that. But yeah, the uh, Lamar Jackson and just how they're running the offense has kind of, you know, it's made them musty television. We're not used to the Ravens being musty television. Um, they're usually a team that grinds out wins. We, they're usually a team that had the, you know, has their biggest stars on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, run the ball a lot like this team does as well, but it, it's sort of a different kind of, you know, running and it's a totally different kind of offense than what we're used to. So it, it has been different. Um, you know, I know people league-wide are, are sort of uh, excited about what they watch week to week from this team in terms of the creativity, and then you have Lamar Jackson and, and his ability. So, yeah, it's been a fun season so far, a little bit unexpected. I thought they would be pretty good, but I don't know that I thought that they'd be seven and two and have a two-game lead, uh, you know, in the AFC North at this stage of the game. Yeah, that's a good point you bring up with Lamar Jackson. There's really no sophomore slump for him. Where do you think he's taken the biggest step forward in his development, or do you think it was something that you started to see when you look back, maybe sometime last year? Yeah, you know, last year was uh, Joe Flacco went down right around midseason. Uh, with the hip injury, and and Jackson kind of came in, and everything was kind of done on the fly. You you know, they just threw together – I don't want to say threw together, like there wasn't thought that went into it, but they put together every week a game plan that they believed would help them win that game. And, you know, they went on the run and and winded up winning the AFC North, which was totally unexpected, but they did it sort of uh, in an offense that really hadn't morphed into what they wanted it to become – it was they didn't have the time for that. Uh, they just had to, you know, get ready for that particular game. And this off season, they've totally revamped the entire offense, built it, uh, added certain players, and everything was done with Lamar Jackson in mind. So yeah, it, it's an entirely different offense. And as for him, you know, he's taken the next step in pretty much everything. And, and he still has some, uh, you know, he still has some areas where he needs to improve too. And, and they're pretty upfront about that. 
Uh, Jackson's his own harshest critic. He'll be the first to tell you that. Um, but just his command of the game and the offense, probably the biggest thing. Um, he does some things every week uh, that just show you his development, whether it's uh, you know, getting out of a certain play, whether it's putting the ball in a certain area. It's just, it's been really impressive how he's grown as a quarterback. Um, you know, all the things, every, every week we see something athletically that is just like, wow. But I think everybody knew <laughs> Lamar Jackson was an elite athlete. It's how he's becoming a better all-around quarterback that has been the most impressive. I know the Texans had a bye over the weekend, and a lot of us were watching that Ravens game, and there's been a lot of talk about that Heisman package with Mark Ingram, RG3, and Jackson. How long do you think the Ravens had been storing that one up, and might we see some more of that on Sunday? <laughs> yeah, you know. I'm, uh, I'm asking you to look RG3 into a crystal ball. RG3's been looking to get into the act. Uh, he wants to get on the field a little bit and wants to get the uh, ball in his hands a little bit. So, He's been sort of pushing uh, the coaches for it, asking uh, the coaches to get it in. And they started practicing it uh, uh, several weeks back. And this this past game was the first one they went to it. I don't think it's going to be a major part of what they do. But I think at this stage of the game, uh, anytime you could put something on a film and make your opposition the rest of the way have to prepare for different things, uh, it's worth it. Uh, you know, it's worth doing, especially since, you know, you had a pretty good idea early against the Bengals that the Ravens had that game in hand. So it was a good opportunity to work on some, some stuff, to put some stuff on film. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know that we'll see a ton of it, but uh, they'll keep working on it. They know it's there. And as Harbaugh said earlier this week, there's some variations of that, too, where the ball, you know, you, one of the guys throws the ball, too. So, um, you know, I again, I, I think they're going to do what they do, but, uh, you might as well use all the all the talent you have on your offense. As if preparing for that Ravens offense wasn't complicated enough. And, and Bill O'Brien said he didn't have time to watch many of the games. He was too busy watching Ravens film. And a lot of our players are talking about how complex this offense is, maybe the most complex to prepare for in the league. Why is it so tough to prepare for the Ravens? Um, in a copycat league, what makes the play calling and, and the way that they organize their offense so unique? Yeah, that's a great question. And, I mean, well, of course it starts with Lamar Jackson, and and you talk to players and coaches from different teams, and the biggest problem they have is they really can't – they don't have anybody that can really simulate what he does and how quick he does it Uh, with the ball handling and the speed. You know, we've seen, you know, the uh, Pittsburgh, before they played the Ravens, uh, you know, added some college quarterback, uh, you know, to their practice squad just so they have a guy that, you know, had the sort of athleticism they thought Jackson had. So teams are trying a bunch of different things, using wide receivers to simulate it. Um, that's the that's where it starts. And then the other problem is, you know, their offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, is known for his complex run schemes. They're very versatile in their running plays. They can run. You know, they'll, they'll, you'll think they'll have the same formation. They'll run so many different plays out of that formation, and, and none of them maybe look the same. And, uh, you know, he's done it his whole career. Uh, he's had a top, you know, five uh, rushing offense pretty much every year he's been an offensive coordinator. There aren't too many coaches, assistants that, you 
know, are able to design a run game like the one the Ravens have. And, and I just think that, you know, it's just a lot to prepare for. Every week they're adding more things, so you think you're you're sort of catching up with it and you got a good handle, and then they throw a couple different looks at you. Uh, but, you know, obviously it all starts with Jackson and his ability to do a bunch of different things. So that that's going to be the first headache. I know a lot of people are watching Lamar Jackson across the league, and there's a lot of talk about him being the MVP. With a guy that is so valuable to an offense with everything sort of structured around him, how does John Harbaugh balance having Lamar be Lamar with, okay, let's keep him healthy and avoid some unnecessary hits when possible? Or has that just sort of gone by the wayside at this point in the season? Yeah, that's, no, that's a, that's, a, that's a definite question. I think there's people that want to be right. And by people, I'm talking about some fans and some national media pundits that want to be right about the fact that a, a quarterback that runs as much as Jackson can't stay healthy and and won't succeed in the long term uh, because he takes subjects himself to such hits. And, I, you know, I think almost every, certain people are waiting for that to happen, you know, which is kind of a shame, but, but that's the way it is. Um, you know, they don't encourage certain types of runs. You know, they don't want Lamar Jackson running too much in between the tackles. And he, he's – he is pretty smart. I can I I can count the number of big hits he's taken on a run this year on one hand, and I know all it takes is one. I, I get that, um, but he's pretty smart about getting out of bounds, uh, not cutting back too much in the middle of the field into traffic or subject yourself to big hit. In fact, the biggest hit all year he's taken was probably this past Sunday when he was in a pocket and and delivering a pass and he got drilled. So. He's so quick and elusive that he doesn't – teams struggle to hit him flush. Uh, but they're, they encourage him, as I said, to, to get out of bounds when they can, to get down on the ground when he can, to not cut back in the middle of the field. And they don't call a ton of plays that uh, have him running inside, especially in red zone situations where the defense is sort of, uh, you know, bunched together and you're, you're – you're, pushing against a bunch of big guys so they try to avoid him taking certain hits but they've been consistent look this is this guy's skill set we're going to use him, and we're not going to play scared and and, you know as you said it's a fine line they walk all right I have to get to the defense because they are playing at a very high level as well Uh, let's talk about Marcus Peters sort of took NFL by storm when um, the Ravens traded for for Peters from the Rams just before the trade deadline, and he's already done some nice things in just a few games with the Ravens, two interceptions. What's been the difference for him making an impact so early and just sort of melding himself into that Ravens secondary so quickly? Yeah, everything you hear is just how smart of a player he is, uh, you know, and he's, he's going to give up plays because he gambles, and everybody knows that. Uh, you know, teams run double moves on him all the time. He's, he hasn't, it hasn't happened really since he's been on the Ravens, but you know, he gives them up too. I mean, that's, that's a part of it. Uh, but you can give, you can withstand, you can, uh, deal with a player giving up a, a couple big plays if he's going to take one, run it back 90 yards for a, for a pick six, like he has twice in the last three games. So, uh, but his, you know, why he's fit in so well is he's just a really intelligent player. Uh, Ravens play a pretty elaborate defense. They do a lot of disguises and, you know, different coverages, and, and he's picked it up right away, and he's fit in perfectly. I mean, an outside cornerback really wasn't a big need for them. I mean, you know, who doesn't need a, a cornerback? But 
it wasn't their biggest need. I mean, they needed a pass rusher. They questioned that middle linebacker. But he was available, and the Ravens desperately needed a, a guy in defense, a playmaker, and uh, he, he's fit that bill because this isn't, you know, the defense that a lot of people are used to seeing from the Ravens. This is more of a, you know, they've been more bend but don't break this year. They give up yards. They don't really have a fierce pass rush. I mean, they depend a lot on blitzes, uh, but they've sort of embraced this, look, we're gonna, you're going to move the ball on us, uh, but we're going to try to hold you to field goals, and then when we get an opportunity, we're going to try to force a turnover and put up points on the other way. And, you know, they have five touchdowns. You know, they have five defensive touchdowns in the last 12 quarters, which is kind of unheard of. Um, so it's working right now for him, and he's fit in, giving him that big play capability. All right, Jeff, good stuff. I know a lot of uh, people are going to be watching this game on Sunday where they can get it. What are, what are some of the top stories that you're working on heading into Sunday's game? Well, I think, you know, it's unavoidable, the whole Deshaun Watson-Lamar Jackson matchup. And uh, my colleague Aaron Reese and I uh, from the from the Athletic are, are, are kind of uh, working in tandem on a story about um, them. And, you know, again, I, Deshaun Watson is phenomenal. So I think everybody is pretty excited to see the quarterback matchup. I mean, he has every right to be considered as a top MVP candidate right now with all the talk about Russell Wilson and Jackson uh, and even McCaffrey. Watson's got to be right up there, and you know, among the top. That's certainly how the Ravens are treating him. Um, and I'm also, you know, I'm working on a story about the Ravens' right guard, Marshall Yonda, uh, who's kind of developed these uh, – older player who was very close to Joe Flacco and he sort of embraced Lamar Jackson and become a leader on this team. And uh, he's, you know, a lot of talk, he's going to retire at the end of this year, but he seems to be having the time of his life. Uh, and you're really enjoying uh, kind of how the Ravens are playing. So it's going to be a fun week. We're already hearing how much media is going to be out at, at the Ravens complex this week. Um, and there's a lot of excitement about their game as, as, as there should be. These are, two of the top teams in the AFC. They have two exciting, talented young quarterbacks and, uh, you know, other, a lot of other talented players across both sides of the ball. Yeah, we're definitely looking forward to it, and we've had a, more than a week to think about it and watch the Ravens and get really excited to see these two quarterbacks and these two teams go head-to-head. Jeff, thank you so much. Jeff Zriebeck, he's a senior staff writer for The Athletic up in Baltimore covering the Ravens. Jeff, appreciate the time, and we'll see you up in Baltimore. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, and safe travels here. All right, I'm getting excited just thinking about this game, and the game's coming up after that because this game was not flexed to Sunday night, but it's probably for good reason that it wasn't because then the Texans would have had to turn around and play a Thursday night game against the Colts. It would have been a super short week to come off a late game on Sunday into an early game on Thursday. And then after that, it is the Patriots on Sunday night football. So three bang, bang, bang games against some top teams in the AFC, but the Texans, of course, not looking past this one because it's the big one that they have got to try to come away with the win and could have some big implications towards the end of the year, especially when playoffs roll around. But I know nobody's talking about playoffs, but of course, Texans Radio, we always talk about playoffs because it's fun to do and it's November and that's just what we do. Uh, what we also do is do a great pregame show, so catch us on Facebook and social media channels, uh, Texans Unlimited, presented by Verizon, myself, John Harris, Drew Doherty. And the crew, we bring you live coverage from the field up at M&T Bank Stadium because, you know, if you're watching the game here or anywhere else, you want even more coverage. You want to see players warming up. You want to know what the inactives are. You want to know who's in, who's out of the lineup. And we bring you all that. And we show you the players warming up on the field. So 
Uh, we give you live look at the game pregame, and we do that online. So send us your questions. We'll answer as many as we can. And, of course, you can always check out HoustonTexans.com during the game, after the game, for press conference and the top stories and highlights and more. But that's going to do it for our podcast, the Deep Slant Podcast, presented by Xfinity. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, go Texans.